0: The Old Pre-Meds Podcast, session number 46. You're a non-traditional student entering the medical field on your terms. You may have had some hiccups along the way, but now you're ready to change course and go back and serve others as a physician. This podcast is here to help answer your questions and help educate you on your non traditional journey to becoming a physician. And welcome back to the Old Premeds podcast. If this is not your first time joining us, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. It's gl- I'm glad to have you here. We take questions directly from the oldpremeds.org forums and answer them here on the podcast. So if you are not a member over at the oldpremeds.org forums, go sign up and say hello. This, pod, uh, this podcast episode is an interesting one and one that I, I can't believe we haven't really covered before, but it's, it's all about postback programs and really how to evaluate them. So let's jump in. Rich, welcome back to the old pre-meds podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I am just spectacular yourself, Dr.
0: Ryan. I'm doing great. Thank you. So this week we have another post-bac type question, this time from a student that is a single mother of three, 36 years old, looking to get into medical school now, kind of fulfilling her dream. She was looking at UCLA's post-bac program, which is part of the extension at UCLA, the extension school. And she has some questions about... uh, basically concerns. She said that it's, it's the only program where they don't require a GPA minimum, which is interesting. So for that person that we recorded uh, last week that was worried about her GPA and finding a post maybe the UCLA Extension Program is an option for you. Um, but So this poster has some doubts about if that is going to hurt her appearance in medical schools because they don't have a minimum GPA. And so she's asking people if if it's a good school, if anybody's been through it. But really what it comes down to, it, a lot of her concerns are, are probably what a lot of students have concerns-wise when they're looking into post-bac programs. Number one, they're not cheap. And number two, students are usually doing it because their goal is to get into medical school. And so they they have this question in their head is, is this school really going to help prepare me to get into medical school? So, Rich, let's, let's break down this question and really ask the main question is, is how should a non-traditional student evaluate post programs?
1: For some students, um, they really have to first evaluate I'm going to say the logistics of their life, right? A, somebody who's 26 and has financial backing from the parents who looks for a post back and has time has different concerns that say our person here is a mom, single mom of three. She has timing issues, course issues, et cetera, et cetera. So you have a whole bunch of things you want to consider. So first you have to see what's going to fit with my life. And I always like to tell people this, go to the best school you can. But if you don't have time logistics to study, if you have to worry about when the courses are, if you have to rush to go to places, you are not going to be successful in it. So, first thing is evaluate what you need. Um, her concern concerning the GPA upon entrance, I think, is not a valid concern. I don't think med schools are going to worry what GPA you had going into a post-bac, they're going to worry about what GPA you had coming out of the post-bac. So, that I think is the least concern possible. Other things about it is especially timing one of the courses. Are they just daytime or the evening? Is it a formal program where they just have a full-time system? Is it part-time? Those sorts of things. Obviously, the cost as well. Um, some students don't take a formal post back because, for example, I know a school here in the East where the formal post is a graduate level, is, is run as a graduate certificate program with graduate credit course co- costs, yet you're in the same courses as the undergraduate. So if you took it as a non-matriculating undergraduate, you'd be in the same exact courses the people in the post back are in. And you're paying literally three times as much. All right? So why do that? Now, you may get things being in the formal. Do you need advising? Do you need a prep course for MCAT? Is it included? Are there any links for this post back? Does the post back have any connections with medical schools? Does the post back have any EC coordination, that is some schools here um, have connections for volunteering that are formal, not just do I know these people. It's like we have formal placement for volunteering. We have formal placement for research. So those factors matter. Um, And the other thing is asking their success rate. Now, this can be a skewed question. You have to be careful about this. I know schools that will say they have a very high success rate for our applicants, but they may have high internal standards before they'll write a committee letter to let someone be an applicant. So even though they may say 90 percent of our students get accepted, but for you know, the bottom third of our class, we didn't write committee letters and therefore they know they're not getting a committee letter for our well-known program, medical school is going to reject them. So they're not going to apply on their own. Even though it's easier nowadays to apply without committee letters, for programs that are well-known for those, formal postbacks and SMPs being the most important, not having some sort of committee or composite letter from them is a big red flag. So find out what their stats are, what their requirements are for getting the certificate or completing it. The alternative, by the way, which many people overlook, you can do a postback informally. That is not go through a formal program that's a certificate, but rather taking the courses um, that you need to improve. And again, with this uh, this person with having a low GPA, depending on what their course trends, what did they were they pre-med previously, failed or did poorly in the required courses, did poorly. Did they to just do poorly the first couple years and do better later on? You know, all those things matter in what direction you need to go. And they really need to sit down with someone to talk about it. So advising for this particular case would also be very important. Um, an aside to this, by the way, is I've often thought there is no MSAR for postbacks. Uh, I actually worked with a few people a few years ago trying to come out with some sort of, you know, at least summary. And it was very, very difficult because there's no standardization um, I know schools that have really formal, well-organized postbacks. I also know a school that had we have a postback program when I called about it, it was something printed in the catalog. There was nothing ever done about it. It's like you can take the courses, we'll sign a piece of paper. Oh gee. <laughs> so they vary widely.
0: All right. So there you have it. How to look at really evaluating postback programs, if that's what you're in the market for. I want to encourage you to go check out mededmedia.com. You can find out all the other podcasts that we're doing over there at mededmedia.com. If you're listening to this as this comes out, the pre-mid years podcast, which is the main podcast, like the, the oldest running podcast that we have or that I have, is having a contest because we are creeping up on our fourth anniversary Of that podcast and so if you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash contest you can register or enter to win some one-on-one coaching from me i hope you got some good advice out of this episode today and as always i hope you join us next week here at the medical school headquarters and the old pre-meds podcast